0: What does it mean for us to be the church? And what does this building and the various buildings throughout the world made by human hands that we call churches, why are these buildings important? This is what the words from our Gospel and the prophet Ezekiel and the letter of St. Paul are trying to, to help us understand. Let us begin with the prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel lived in the end of the 7th, the beginning of the 6th century. And it was during this time that the people of Israel, as they've had before, they committed two great sins. The first was against God. They forsake forsook the true worship of God and started worshiping false gods, idols. And this weakness in the relationship with God resulted in the second sin, which was their weakness in their love and care for each other, especially toward the orphan, toward the widow, and toward the poor. And God humbled them. He allowed them to be conquered by the Babylonian Empire, and they came in and destroyed Jerusalem with its temple. And then they were deported in regions in the north and in the east. So when Ezekiel is receiving these visions, at the end of his book, God is wanting to give His people hope, to promise a time of renewal, of a cleansing of their sins, and a restoration of right worship of God that will result in many blessings in their relationship with each other. So the image that God uses is this water flowing out from the right side of the temple. And this stream becomes a great river, and it goes out into the land, but there's something special about this stream. It carries the power of God's Spirit, and therefore is able to bring forth new life, to nourish life, to cleanse And to restore. Now we jump 500 some years to the scene in the Gospel of John. Jesus comes into Jerusalem, he goes into the temple, and he cleanses it from the corruption that has made its way into the inner or the outer courts. And when he cleanses it, this action connects him to the prophecies in the Old Testament and why the people all of a sudden are wondering could he be the Messiah? Is this the one? So they ask him for a sign and Jesus says destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up again. And John is very careful to note that he was speaking about the temple of his body. When this new temple, Jesus Christ, is dying on the altar of the cross, a soldier pierces his side, and out of his side flows blood and water those first Christians realized that this was the connection to the prophecy in Ezekiel. The water that flowed out of the right side of the temple now flows out of the true temple, the living temple, Jesus Christ, and flows out into the world filled with the power of God's Spirit to usher into the world redemption, renewal, and the cleansing of sin. Now, when you guys go home today, you're all going to look at the crucifixes you have hanging in your house. And you're going to note that the wound in the side of Christ is on the right side. Look at your crucifixes when you go home today. You are going to find this is why it's on the right, because it connects it to the prophecy in Ezekiel. Is that cool or what? Only God can pull that one off. This is a proof of the divine authorship of Scripture, that events six centuries apart can be so connected, only God can pull that one off. How many of you have seen the movie Ben-Hur? That great film, huh? Now it's Sunday. Those of you who haven't seen it, go rent it a great thing to do as a family, sit down and watch this epic film, Ben-Hur. It's got Charlton Heston in it and this great chariot race, you know. But at the end of the story, there's this beautiful scene. Ben-Hur witnesses the crucifixion of Jesus. And the blood is flowing out of the wounds of Jesus down the cross and it starts to rain. And here's the moving scene. This rain starts to gather the blood from the body of Jesus into a stream that sings its way down the hill of Calvary, down into the valley, out into the world. And one day, God knew that that stream would come to me and would come to you, carrying the power of God's Spirit, which breathes through the life of the Church, especially in her sacraments. It is by the Spirit of God and through the waters of baptism that you and I have been reborn. It is by the Spirit of God Breathing through the sacrament of confession that you and I have our sins forgiven numerous times. It is by the power of the Spirit, this living stream from the sacred heart of Jesus that we have been empowered and strengthened through the sacrament of confirmation. You know how just last night I made a pilgrimage to the Holy Land to see our confirmation students at a Bible camp in Amory, Wisconsin. And I want you to keep them in in your prayers because they're still at the retreat right now. They finish up this morning. And it's by the power of that Holy Spirit that nourishes the life of God in us through the Holy Eucharist. We are the church because we are the people who have bathed in the living stream from the heart of Christ, that have experienced the healing power of God numerous times. And this is why this building is special, because it is in this building which we have encountered those privileged moments of contact with this stream from the heart of God. This is where we've received our sacraments. And now liturgy is basically us, the people of God gathered to praise God for all the ways that we have been blessed by our contact to the saving stream of Christ. Isn't this beautiful? This is what it means to be the church this is why St. Paul says, do you realize who you are? That your dignity is far beyond what you can imagine? That you and I are temples of the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit of God dwells in us. Let us now thank God together that we have been so blessed